Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. I normally do that bit, so let's try that again. Uh, hello, and welcome back to Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. Um, we are sat in Nexus Art Cafe in the Northern Quarter. Very trendy. Yeah. I'm just eating some brownies. Joe's just eaten half my brownie. We nearly had to end the podcast because I ate too much of it. Yeah. Um, sore, sore point. How have you been today? Yeah, I'm, I've been very good. I did, I interviewed our next guest this morning, which was fantastic. I, yeah, I, I've listened back to it whilst editing it, like, quite a few times now, and I still laugh every time, so I think you're in for a treat. Laughing at yourself. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Uh, and I've listened to it on the train on the way back. We've got quite an efficient system now, haven't we? Yeah. Um, on the way back from Leeds, where I've been working uh, at the Westwich Playhouse. And I plug. Plug. It's just a little plug there. Uh, shout out to Amy Lancelot, who I'm working with at the Westwich Playhouse, who always retweets us. Um, and I also uh, met Action Hero. I don't know if any of you know Action Hero in a camper van. Um, and they're travelling around Europe. They're a small theatre company travelling around Europe. Um, all the different countries of Europe recording love songs. So uh, you may hear soon in one of their shows uh, Joe singing You Can't Hurry Love by The Supremes. And how was, how was it sung, Joe? Um, like this. Um, I actually did it in both English and French, so we'll go, we'll go English for now. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> you can't hurry love. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, Brilliant. Uh, um, anyway, we should probably get on. Um, um, we're in the podcast world, what's yes. been going on? We've very exciting dealings. We've got um, on the edge of a secret partnership Ooh. deal, not with News of the World, um, <laughs> uh, but um, we'll be revealing details yes. of that soon. Um, we've got, always getting loads of support from Simon Naylor, retweeting yeah. everything, so that's yeah. uh, great. And um, we obviously hope you've enjoyed the Matthew Zia episode um, obviously Frankenstein is now finished at the Royal Exchange and this I think uh, this uh, interview that Sophie's done with Nick Redman is one of my favourites I think and I've in no way been involved at all so that's <laughs> what happens when Joe's not involved <laughs> it's actually good uh, so um, yeah let's let's face it I didn't know what to expect uh, and um, but Nick always like retweets our stuff and has shared it and stuff. Uh, so we were like, yeah, we didn't know. Let, Elizabeth, let's be honest. Elizabeth Newman, artistic director of the Octagon, cancelled on us. Uh, so, so, so we had thought we'd interview Nick anyway, but we kind of brought it forward. And actually, it's one of my favourite episodes. I've learned loads from reading the thing. Um, she also. Um, does one bit about terrible directors. Uh, Which uh, Joe can recognise himself a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And lots of them, there's even uh, a little practical exercise that you can do at home. And a competition as well. And a competition, oh yeah, so there's going to be a competition uh, where you could win 10% off vocal lessons with Nick. Nick. But you'll have to listen to the whole podcast to know how. Um, right. Right. Let's do this. Hello and welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to Manchester? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
Most unprofessional person ever. Um, my name's Nick Redman. I came to Manchester about 15 years ago from Northern Ireland to do the BA Performing Arts course at Salford University, which is now based in a very fancy building and called something else. Um, and then, yeah, I was here for about six or seven years, trained as an actor, and then decided uh, London was the way forward, as a lot of us do. Uh, so went there for a bit, did an MA at Central, um, Central School of Speech and Drama, in musical theatre, did a little bit of dillying around the West End for a while, then realised it was much more fun when I could afford shoes. Uh, so... Uh, I'd accidentally fell into voiceover work because somebody needed an Irish voice. Um, so I was doing voiceover work and then got obsessed with voice. So went back to Central in London uh, with an MA and did their MA voice studies course to train as a voice practitioner and accent coach. And then moved back to Manchester. I accidentally got pregnant. <laughs> decided to stay. And here I am. We would have stayed anyway. But, yeah. you know, it was quite useful at the time. <laughs> Got shoes and shoes for the baby. Fantastic. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah. Really. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a bit about what you do specifically in Manchester? Yes. So I am uh, an accent and dialect coach and a voice coach as well as a voiceover artist. I have a studio based in Greater Manchester, sort of Worsley area. And I work in many different fields in terms of voice. So I do one-to-one work. I have a thriving one-to-one practice with lots of anyone, any professional voice users really, whether you're a an actor or a teacher or a comedian or a public speaker or anybody who's interested in voice. I also teach at um, ICAT, the Independent Centre for Actor Training, Big Up, uh, which is a (laughs) wonderful uh, part-time two-year course, which has brilliant uh, training, if I say that myself, um, (laughs) up here. Um, They're doing really great things. And I also teach at LIPA, accents and voice and I do various bits and bobs with thinking actors and the actors lab and Manchester actors platform and EDP and anybody who'll have me really (laughs) I get around (laughs) (laughs) can you tell us a little bit more about your training and were there any specific practitioners or methods that you really have taken away from that time yeah so it's a course uh, a master's level degree course designed to cover all the elements that may be involved in terms of training the voice so you start with the complete basics in terms of really in-depth advanced anatomy of the entire body both uh, physically and um, uh, theoretically Um, lots of uh, muscles lots of everything about how the voice works And then it's all about the pedagogy of teaching voice as well, so learning styles and teaching methods and facilitation. Um, It's also, it basically works you through learning how to free the voice, release the voice, uh, bring it to its most in terms of resonance and range, articulation. Um, It's also about accent, breaking down accents. So we do a lot of um, really geeky phonetics, uh, all the weird symbols. We do all that stuff and we learn how to break down sounds and take on signs and acquire new signs and then teach other people how to do that. So basically anything to do with voice, um, whether you want to be a public speaker or an actor or you want to learn a new accent or anything like that. And the course tends to attract people from all different backgrounds. So you get some actors, but there are also people from speech and language therapy, people from corporate backgrounds who just want to learn a little bit about their voice for their public speaking, that sort of a thing. And we had, in my year, we had um, a lady who was um, an interpreter, 
um, where people of all ages from like 19 up to almost 70. So it's an it's incredibly wide-ranging, uh, diverse bunch of people. But it's basically just a massive voice geek out. <laughs> and you come out of it with this sort of, with a, 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 a real plethora of influences in terms of practitioners. So... There are people like, I'm sure many of the actors out there will go, oh, yes, I know those people. Like Cicely Berry, Kristen Linklater, Barbara Hausman, Patsy Rodenberg, Jan Hiddenrolls, and Edda Sharp. Um, who else? Uh, Knight Thompson, speech work is a big influence for me. Um, Elspeth Morrison, I love her. She's great. Hi, Elspeth, if you're <laughs> listening. Uh, there's just Annie Morrison. There's a ton of people. So um, there are many ways with voice teaching that you can like as an actor you can be Meisner or you can be Stanislavski or you can be a bit of a magpie so you can designate fully as a Linknator practitioner or as a Knight Thompson facilitator but for me it's about being a bit of a magpie I find voice uh, training incredibly bespoke every voice is different and everybody's learning styles are different so for me it's about having access to as many little bits of um, training as possible so that someone comes in with one thing and they're not quite getting with on with the link later style I can you know whip out a bit of something else mm. and try that um, ultimately the nice thing about voice practitioning <laughs> practitioning that's, that's a thing <laughs> uh, as well as that everyone's trying to get to the same thing which is an open, free and responsive instrument to, you know, whether you're trying to communicate uh, this month's sales figures to your boardroom or whether you're trying to commu the, communicate the in-depth inner workings of a character. Um, it's just so people go slightly different ways to get there. Mm. So luckily with all the practitioners, everybody's just trying to get the same place, really. And I yeah. think you could probably say that about acting too. It's about honesty and truth, isn't it? And mm. I think in order to have that with um, coming through in the voice, you just need everything free and responsive and open and ready for you and that's what all the practitioners want mm. if i had to pick uh some that i really like because <clears throat> i really enjoy teaching articulation and accents um it would be knight thompson speech work which is a new one that's come to me and well from the course which was it's an american primarily american based methodology which is brilliant um, it's very specific and links in really well with accent work it's quite geeky in terms of phonetics and uh, the musculature and the anatomy and then in terms of accents, I, I base a lot of my teaching around um, the work of uh, Edda Sharp and Jan Hayden Rolls, who um, have the book How to Do Accents, which is about how to do accents. <laughs> <laughs> this breaks it down <laughs> step by step. Those are the uh, two that I probably adhere to most. Nice. I think what's so, correct me if I'm wrong, but like what's so exciting about voice work is that it's all changed so much over the past sort of 50, 60 years that a lot of those practitioners are still alive and still working today. It's not like sort of... They are not dying. <laughs> yeah. They will like not a die. Lot of the actors. It's like, <laughs> so it's just so interesting how like this new wave of um, technique has come through. Mm. And, yeah, We talk a lot about how um, in the past it, it, was, um, it was almost important to uh, nail your colours to the mast these incredibly uh, powerful women came through and started this whole idea that you could be a voice coach. You know, back in the day, it was like Edith Skinner and Cicely Berry and um, Kristen Linklater and um, Catherine Fitzmaurice. And in order to prove that they could do what they could do, they had to have a methodology or a method or, you know, a book, for God's sake. Look, otherwise, you know, what on earth was it they were doing? <laughs> so they had to be very staunch and be like, well, this is my way and this is the way it's done. Um, these days, now that there are more of us, 
there's a lot more there's a lot more openness I feel to to picking and choosing and and finding new ways of um and we have a lot more freedom to play because we don't have to plow the furrow because that furrow has been plowed for us you know they did all the hard work uh, cultivating this as a job and we just could come along and tit about really <laughs> mess about really yeah. <laughs> um can you tell us about your most exciting project that you have worked on or um, what you enjoy most how not to offend the people I work for? Uh, <laughs> I enjoy everywhere I work, and I do. Well, I think what I enjoy most, and I think this runs through all of the work that I do, is the the fact that every voice is different and it is very bespoke. So whether I'm in a room with, you know, 15 people and I've known them for two years and they're their second year in Lippa or something... Um, there's always going to be something different and somebody's always going to take what you're trying to teach in a very different way. So you've always got to be thinking on your feet and um, being responsive to the needs of an individual. And that's the same whether it's one-to-one, whether it's a one-off workshop, whether it's, you know, like I said, second year when you've had a load of people and they actually trust you and realise you know what you're doing and, you know, really get in-depth to the work. It's really personal. Um, and that comes with a lot of responsibility in many ways too because with a lot of voice work, it's all related to releasing tension ultimately. And when you release habitual tensions that your body is holding for safety and security, that can open up a lot of emotional things and a lot of Pandora's style boxes. So it can get a bit emotional. So um, I think the bespoke side of it is probably my favourite. And the fact that, you know, I could have one person in the room and they, let's take accents, they could they would could be uh, an auditory um, I should say aural, an aural learner by ear. So they want to hear the sound and, and just keep hearing it. And they can hear themselves when they do it wrong and they can hear themselves when they do it right. So it's about hearing it. And then you get some people who it's about kinesthetic, so it's about f- feeling it. So you have to say to them, right, see if you can get your tongue a bit higher or your tongue a bit lower or can you round the lips a bit more? Or And it's all about them keying in and feeling it. And then you might get someone else who it's all about looking, so they want to stare intently at your lips and sort of <laughs> mime along with you as, you're, as you as your lips move. So everybody's different, and I think it's, um, yeah, it's about being able to understand that and uh, adapt, I think is... I can't remember the question. <laughs> but what you enjoy. That what yeah, I enjoy, yeah, yeah. yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Every day is different, isn't yeah. it? Every day is different, and yeah. some days are incredibly long. Like a Monday, I went from Manchester to Liverpool to Sheffield to Manchester. Oh, <laughs> Sack my PA. <laughs> I can't, it's me. Um, uh, and, and it was just amazing, you know. I was in the morning, I was, uh, I can't remember, I was at Lippa uh, doing show support for one of their second year projects, and then, which was in all sorts of different things. Then I was over to do a bit of accent work, watching a run of a play I was working on in Sheffield, then back to Manchester to teach a group who've been teaching for a year at ICAT and we're coming to the third term and it's really lovely and everyone's everyone's discovering and opening up and developing and, and it's just oh god it's very American it's really beautiful <laughs> <laughs> so if that can, that can very easily bring us on to your biggest challenges that you find working in your industry I'm sure there's mm. a plethora yeah I wrote some down um <laughs> as she scrolls through yeah, so um, the one first thing that is frustrating a lot of the time and links on to another one is the fact that a lot of the work you do in terms of vocal technique is, pre- is cure rather than prevention. So you get people coming going, 
I've been doing a play for six months and now my voice is gone. Or you get someone saying, um, you know, I think there's something wrong with my voice. <laughs> and you're like, right. <laughs> I, I just have been doing some uh, video game voiceovers and had to do three weeks of sharding and, and now I can't uh, sound like this. <laughs> Whatever it has to be. Yeah, and, uh, and for me, that's really frustrating. It's fine because it makes up a lot of my work and, you know, but it's it's hard and it's hard for the person because it's a lot of stripping back and um, starting again and re and undoing bad habits. And it can be very dangerous as well. Um, so for me, yeah, the fact that a lot of it's cure rather than prevention is frustrating. Um, uh, that links onto the fact that sometimes it's about instilling in people who maybe haven't had the luxury of full-time training, how important voice training actually is. Even the people in drama school a lot of the time don't realise until they've left and they come back two years later and they go, oh my God, Nick, I get it now. <laughs> I totally get it. I'm like, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, so it's about instilling the importance of voice coaching in actors, particularly up in the north in Manchester, because it was there is now a great theatre scene building and bubbling and we have things outside of the exchange and and the big receiving and producing houses um but there's always been a very strong tv tradition and screen tradition up here so you get people thinking well, I, don't, I don't need voice training my voice is fine um but there are certain challenges and certain techniques that are really incredibly useful for screen work as well um it's not just about projection you know and and being uh, incredibly loud or being heard, or it's not just about having to sustain your voice for, you know, eight shows a week in the West End. Um, it's also about clarity um, and articulation, for example. Uh, I mean, we're all aware of the hideous mumbling that's been going on in TV at the moment. Because they're acting so much, because the acting is so intense. Sorry, you can't listen to me because I'm acting too much. Um, but um, voice training isn't just about being loud it's also about like i said earlier opening up and training a free and responsive vocal instrument when i say free and responsive what i mean is free to respond to the emotional needs of the character or the thought so a lot of what we do is about connection of thought and breath and the fact that you know the thought happens on the in-breath the inspiration to communicate so it's about bringing the body into a place that it can respond to that when you're fully in character. And that's just as necessary on TV as it is in theatre. Mm. It's just very different challenges. Um, the other thing is managing expectations. So sometimes you get a call at like eight in the evening going, Nick, I've got to sign like I'm from uh, Zimbabwe for an audition tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm in bed uh, <laughs> and, and you're not going to be able to sign out you're from Zimbabwe by tomorrow. So it's about understanding that some it's actually quite good to do a little speculative work, you know, plan ahead, learn a little bit about the approaches to accents or ways of breaking down accents so that when you get a call randomly, as they always happen to be last minute, uh, you can go, OK, right. I'll call so-and-so my chosen accent provider, accent coach. Um, but until then, I'll listen to lots of samples. I'll think about the rhythm and the tune of the accent. I'll see, can I hear, is the jaw a bit tense? Is the tongue sign higher? Are the lips a little wider? What's going on with the tone of the accent? Does it sound like it's back in the throat? Does it sound like it's um, up in the nose? Does it sound, you know, what can I hear about the accent? So that when you get those ridiculous last-minute calls, even though you've told your agent you don't do accents anyway... Um, you, you can you can start the job before you get to us. 
and also know that ultimately accent acquisition to the point where it is embodied and authentic takes a heck of a lot of time. Mm. Ultimately, it's like where you're retraining the way muscles work. And some people get that really easily. Some people are very good at accents, and that's fine. Some people take a little bit more time. And even the best people with accents, if they're going for something really specific, can take a long time. So <clears throat> uh, just know that it may take longer than you think it will. And I think that's relevant to all voice training, really, as well. So sometimes you get people coming along saying, I need, um, I've got a show next week, and I, the director says I sound too quiet. Mm. So it was going to take a little bit more than an hour to get to that place. So... For me, I suppose all of these issues and the challenges I face can be linked to the fact that there isn't enough uh, investment in voice training to start with because they're all, they're all issues that come up when you're in the job already. Do you know what I mean? And you get directors do really... Obviously, the, the directors give, advi- they give advice and they direct and they you know, coach and whatever, but sometimes in the heat of the moment they give random things out that the actor doesn't know what to do with and it's our job to take those and think mm, what are they what do they mean so um you know you need to use your diaphragm okay great uh, you need to support you're not supporting right great or some they'll come and say the director says my voice is too quiet or the director says my and my voice isn't connected or the director says my voice is too isn't resonant or something and it's about unpicking that and working around and helping them as much as you can. Is that, is that waffly again? No, no, it's great. God, not very... Cl- and ironically, very lack of clarity today in terms of <laughs> thought for me. And uh, do you find... <clears throat> I Obviously, so I'm an actor and I always get... Like, when you meet someone, you say, oh, I'm an actor, and they go, oh, like, you're training to be a waitress, sort of, or, like, awful questions Just like that. Just be in that coronation. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Do you sort of get similar things for vocal coaching to people kind of just not really get it uh i get a lot of um oh do can you do that accent i'll do that accent 45 minutes later you're like is this really still happening can you just drop me off mr taxi man <laughs> <laughs> or you get a, like had a, actually had a, had a lovely chat with a taxi driver the other night about uh, voice randomly and how interesting accents were and stuff so sometimes Everybody has a voice story, and I don't think people know they have a voice story until they meet someone who works in that field. And then you go, "Oh yeah, I'm a voice, I'm a voice coach and an accent coach." And they go, "Oh," and then they say, "Like I knew this guy once, and he was from this place." Or uh, my voice is a bit this, and everyone everyone has a little story. So I suppose in a way, I mean, less life saving involved, but it's a little bit. You know, if you're a doctor and people say, "Can you just look at this rash <laughs> when you're at a dinner party?" <laughs> I suppose it's the same as that, you know. Sometimes I find this happens when I do this, and you think, oh, okay, pay me the money and I'll uh, tell you how to fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so how, sort of moving on to kind of where you sit in Manchester and how you see Manchester, Mm -hmm. what do you think, how have you seen the Manchester theatre scene evolve in the time you've been here and where do you see it going? And just tell me your thoughts on Manchester. (laughs) Tell me your thoughts. (laughs) Uh, There's definitely a much bigger... uh, I don't want to say fringe because a, a director I once worked on, on in a fringe venue in London was like, it's not fringe, we're not on the fringe of anything. Um, but, you know, there's uh, more independent theatre producers popping up on the venues. I mean, you've had them on here with Hope Mill and uh, 53.2 and ADP and all of these amazing people doing... So I've just found the tea bag in my tea and it's, it was terrifying. It's like, what the hell's that in my tea? Manchester. <laughs> Let me just take that out. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine high. Um, 
it's grown so much. I came here 15 years ago to study as an innocent, naive, 18-year-old farm girl. Um, and there was stuff happening, but it felt like you were either at the exchange or you weren't anywhere, or you were in a tour that went to the palace or the opera house. And there was the Lowry, but they weren't doing as much in-house production down there like they are in the smaller spaces now. I think the King's Arms was still doing stuff back then. Um but I don't remember the scene as vibrant as it is now. And I feel like we came back at a really exciting time. And I feel, having listened to the episode with Cy Naylor, um, I think I came back around the same time as he did from London. And both of us, I, I didn't know him, uh, but, you know, we I got the same feel that he explained. It was that kind of something's happening. Like there's a, there's a, there's a bubbling and excitement under the surface and people are just like, do you know what? Let's, let's make this happen. And I find that really exciting. Um, I think, uh, what did I write? I think there's so many um, people just making their own work and not just making it and not and, and losing loads of money, making it and, you know, being successful and making it happen. And I'd like, to, what I would love and what I'd like to see is a lot more of this ridiculous go to London to audition for something that's being filmed up here nonsense to stop i'd like people to realize how strong the creative force is up here and how incredibly talented people are up here regardless of where they've trained uh, the people living their creative lives up here and their, their lives in theater and film and tv and just bloody get your arses up here <laughs> and get stuck in I am um, a member of various, because I'm a voiceover artist as well, various training um, things for voiceover and and all of the training and a lot of the training, even for continued professional development for a coach, is London-based a lot of the time. Um, And I've seen a few of them try to put courses on up here and it's just not worked. And I think think people need to come up here, get a feel for the place, talk to people and then start to provide what people up here want rather than just assuming that it's just like everywhere else because it's very different and very independent and very feisty and very strong. Feisty and strong in the sense that we know who we are and we're proud of it. Not feisty and strong as in I'll kick you in the arse to get that job on the West End. Kind of feisty, you know. It's less ruthless. It's more um, let's do this together. Mm. Oh, God. I'm getting a bit emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think, yeah, I think people need to get up here and realise that this is where it's at. Also, houses are much cheaper. Yeah. Every time my friends from London come up, they're like, you could fit two cars on your drive. Wait, you have a drive? <laughs> You're not living in the kitchen? <laughs> what do you mean? There's a wall between the kitchen and the living room. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, on that, that was a very, like, inspiring second to last question for us I wanted to break into song everybody comes (laughs) please take that no that'll be that'll be the theme tune now (laughs) thank you thank you yeah great Um, vocal technique there (laughs) so uh, what's your if you had like 30 seconds to give all actors and speakers a good tip or like a quick favourite exercise what would it be number one if you can only have time to do one warm up exercise it's got to be this lip trills or horse lips with a gentle siren up and down your range goes a bit like this you'll all be familiar with it have a little go Sophie (laughs) now the thing to do is remember to keep it nice and free and open I like to get a little conducty kind of Mariah Carey hand on the go this is not fun for you guys you can't see but I'm doing a little 
even bring it in the body get your whole both your arms in you know like those wacky wailing inflatable arm men and then down at the floor and really explore up and down keep it nice and light and free and unpushed the other thing is release 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 even if it's standing at the side of the stage doing shoulder rolls a few spine rolls stretching out the muscles getting it all nice and free as Kristen Linklater says tension kills vibrations and voices vibrations so if you've got any tension in there you're really impeding your vocal potential and the other thing is focus on the out breath so as long as you allow and have an out breath and release your body is designed anatomically to take the in-breath for you. Otherwise, we die in our sleep. Our bodies are very clever. So if you're nervous or you're struggling for breath or you feel like your breath is short or high, just get a good stance on the floor, feet under the hips, knees released, bum heavy, spine long, neck free, jaw released, out breath. And then just release the abs and let the in-breath come back in for you. It can calm you down and give you a nice, low, diaphragmatic breath although all breath is diaphragmatic because the diaphragm is the primary breathing muscle <laughs> <laughs> wonderful i hope i hope everyone listening to that was doing that as you were speaking it and, so uh, yeah maybe we should get feedback from like get people to film themselves do you know what along and send, send it send in a boomerang if you do an elytral <laughs> yeah. as a wacky wailing inflatable arm man and i will give 10 percent off <laughs> A one-to-one session to the one who 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 we feel is the best, or anybody who does it. Jesus, <laughs> anybody who does it can have ten percent off. Wonderful. <laughs> so, um, if anyone's listening and wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Oh yes, so I uh, have a website of the internet. You have that up here. Um, uh, www dot nick redman voice. That's n i c r e d m a n voice.com where you can find out all about everything that I'm doing. I run a monthly voice workout class at Hope Studios every second Tuesday of the month and that's designed to be drop-in for anybody who's interested in voice. We cover each month a different element so maybe one week it'll, one month it'll be articulation next month it'll be resonance i think we're ha- we've done a couple on accents and we're, next one i think is character voicing so if you're interested in vocal manipulation for gaming or animation or aging up or character voicing that'll be for you um i have the twitter at nick redman voice um, where I waffle on about things <laughs> um, and also share a lot of voice stuff because I'm interested in it so if you have any interest in voice and you want to find some more people around to who, who are writing about voice or, or any of that stuff that's good um, and yeah Facebook and Inst- Facebook <laughs> Facebook and Instagram um, I think that's probably it wonderful well thank you so so much for coming in and speaking to me today it's been a pleasure It's also been a pleasure for me. (laughs) Great interview there, Sophie. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah, it was good, wasn't um, it? I think you got very into it, like the most into it I've ever seen you get in an interview. Oh, God, I was laughing so much. Um, I've actually, and also edited out quite a lot of the laughter. Okay. I need to work on that. Um, What a great interview. I know. I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of Nick. I've not met her, but great voice. Yeah, uh, yeah. And oh, lovely so voice. many interesting things. Really, I thought really valuable, actually, for the, a different kind of person that we've got on the podcast. And, um, yeah, I thought in terms of the pra- loads of lists of practitioners um, that you could um, go up and read, and maybe mm. we can tweet about some of them. Yeah. And also 
just really important points about I, I, I didn't realise that it sounds like the kind of you know the forging of the career of a vocal coach quite interesting I don't know when that started because it sounds like it was in like the last 40, 50 years I'm just mm. thinking about the people she named yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it gives you like an extra respect for them doesn't it as yeah. well like listening to her talk about it you go like oh why doesn't every show have a vocal coach like you always need a vocal coach on on tap like it's yeah. it's mad and really um, inter- really interested about the clumsy directing as well you know what I mean actually it's yeah, a real yeah, skill yeah. about how to give a note yeah and because definitely as an actor I've gone like I've had sort of a similar note and you, you just keep it with you the whole time yeah. and don't know how to fix it and it's a really and it's interesting that it sounds like actors have really taken some of those notes to heart and gone to Nick and Nick's been like that's a shit note <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and um, and I do also want to know who was the director who said the fringe? We're not on the fringe of anything, <laughs> darling. It's wonderful. Maybe that should be our tagline. Yeah, uh, and uh, the, and also about Manchester. I think she made a really good point. But uh, kind of beyond vocal coach, uh, kind of vocal coach stuff, is that Manchester. Um, Kind of be great if people started coming up more into Manchester and realizing, oh, this is what it's like, you know, this is what it's like. But also, Manchester articulating it's more of the things that it needs. It wants more auditions. You know, there are still regional theatres uh, that audition for people just in London. And I think the arts community and the theatre community in Manchester that is becoming so, so strong, mm. needs to start articulating actually. Yeah, we don't want a venue that is just auditioning for actors in London and bringing up all these actors from London uh, to perform in their big shows. Um, and maybe there are reasons, uh, if you're in those venues, you know, that I'm sure there are various reasons about that, um, but I think um, as a community we could really start articulating more um, what, we, what we want. And equally, I think there's more to be done with director training and stuff like that. It, it, on a different note, that um, if you want to get a really good training as a director at the moment, and there are a few schemes in the north of England, but then you need to go down to London and do Birkbeck or Lambda. Um, and I think it'd be really good if, again, the scene in Manchester really started um, articulating what we want and then going about changing that. Yeah. And what was really nice as well with Nick was... Before we started recording, I said to her, like, oh, thanks so much for coming to do this. And she was like, oh, that's all right. Like, anything that I can do to help promote how good Manchester is, I'm more than happy to do. Yeah. And it was just so nice when she was talking about how passionate she was about Manchester. She's not even, like, from Manchester originally. Yeah. It's not like that. It's, it's kind of similar to both of us, I guess. If we've moved here and gone, oh, this is amazing. We need to tell everyone how good it is. And, the, um, and uh, she said something really interesting about the bubbling underneath the surface of all this creativity bubbling. And I was thinking that this podcast is actually about exposing more and more of those bubbles. So the bubbles come to the surface <laughs> in healthy 20-minute episodes. Uh, or half an hour like this one will be. And... Um, but yeah, because that's what it is. There is so much creativity and people in Manchester need to know. I didn't know about Nick Redman but, um, and what she was doing. And also, I didn't really know loads about vocal coaching, if I'm honest. Uh, um, if you want to hire me as a director, I didn't, I didn't say that. Uh, and, uh, but, um, and also, people in London, we, I had a really great conversation with Stage Directors UK about promoting the podcast and got loads of support from them. Because it'd be really great if other people in either in London or different parts of the UK... I've just been working... Um, in Leeds, so there's no in the Westwood Playhouse. <laughs> so there's no. There's Have no, you mentioned that before? <laughs> yeah, just, uh, and um, but there's no reason why people from Sheffield and uh, and Leeds and 
other cities, Liverpool, Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> couldn't come and work here for a day. It's really easy to get a train, yeah. and uh, you can. Um, but they're only going to do that if they know about the bubbles. The bubbles. And yeah, maybe on that note we should we should finish. Or do you have something else? To say? No, I've got loads more to say. It's been like a bit of a monologue. Uh, <laughs> No, we wanted to say uh, um, uh, send in your boomerangs when you get yes. sent off, yep. uh, and um, and the drop in workshops with Nick. Uh, it's every second Tuesday of the month. Yep. Uh, and finally, we thought um, we'd just do a shout out to some of the opportunities that are happening in Manchester at the moment. So this week, um, the Royal Exchange have announced have have announced have announced <laughs> that they're doing the Hodgkiss Award again which is a thing for developing theatre companies. Definitely go and check that out. It's a really exciting opportunity. They're also doing collab applications, which I think the deadline's like 4th of May, so quite soon, but also check that out. Yeah, so great. So um, hope you have enjoyed this episode. I have loved it. Uh, uh, And we'll uh, be... In with our, oh, somebody's just dropped a lot of pencils in Nexus <laughs> Art Cafe. Uh, but they're trendy pencils. Uh, <laughs> so if you please do tweet us, email us. If you've got any thoughts, please, please do let us know. We love hearing from people. Um, our email is contact at mbtpodcast.co.uk and our Twitter is at mbtpodcast1. So the only, the only way we know if you're enjoying the show, you've got thoughts on the show, is tweeting us, um, tweeting us, emailing us, going on our Facebook. So keep that up.